0: Man, good morning, church. It's good to be able to gather in this way, um, even with this weather. Um, oftentimes, I think I, I'd love to be a weatherman. There's the, there's the only occupation that can continue to get it wrong and still have a job. Um, so if you're a weatherman, I apologize, but um, I was um, really hoping for a bunch of snow, and uh, we got a bunch of rain. So, But we are here. Um, gratefully that you did join us online. Uh, just two quick announcements. Uh, I'll pray and then we're going to jump in to Matthew chapter five this morning. Uh, we were going to meet this afternoon as a uh, the the youth search committee. We won't do that because of the weather but we'll begin continue to pray for that team uh, that committee as they begin to pray for um, who God would have for them and so um, uh, they, they hopefully will meet next week and begin to put a resume uh, put a job description to to begin to gather resumes. Next, um, on Wednesday evenings at 6 o'clock, we do have a prayer service here, a time of fellowship, time to eat, a time to pray and come uh, to God's Word together. So mark your calendars for that. Uh, Let me go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll be here in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Would you pray with me? God, I'm grateful to Uh, Be able to teach your word to your people this morning, even if uh, no one's able to gather in this building. Uh, Because of technology, you allow your word to continue to be spread throughout this community, uh, even if it is over uh, an online service. So we are grateful for that. I pray for all the families that are at home, uh, huddled around a computer, a TV, uh, and their Bibles. God, I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that you keep them warm, you keep them safe, and uh, you... Would God let there be snow and let our kids enjoy that snow this afternoon as they go and play uh, today and tomorrow. So we do ask that of you, Lord. Now we come as we've been coming for the last several months. We come and beg you, God, for wisdom as we begin to go and search for the person that you would have for us as our youth uh, pastor. We, we pray, God, that you are already working in them to get them ready for us and you have been working in us to get us ready for them and God, that you would use that person, God, to take your word to the hearts and lives of students, uh, to glorify you, to bring transformation to them, and then send them into a world, uh, as we'll look this morning, to be the salt and light. God, we, we pray for that. We pray that these students in this church, God, would love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and they would do everything they can to glorify you and to proclaim the gospel message in their schools, and we pray for that person that you would have that would train them. God, so so I do pray for that uh, for us this morning. And so just continue to lead us, guide us uh, as you have been. So we pray this in Christ's mighty name. Amen. You're welcome to say, sir. Uh, We're in Matthew chapter five uh, this morning, five uh, verses 13 through 16. This is uh, right after the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes is where Jesus is um, talking to his followers. He takes them onto the mountainside. He begins to talk to the disciples and to his followers about what it would mean to follow Jesus, to follow him and to proclaim him and to live into this new kingdom that he's come to establish. Well, he breaks out of the, the those um, Beatitudes. And there's this transition between chapter 5, verse uh, 13 through 16 into the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. That transition point is um, here that we talk about. But he's going to transition into to say, this is how you are to live. Uh, but he's going to first tell them how they are to live uh, in the kingdom. Many writers say this about these few words, these few four verses. They call it the influence uh, passage or to for us to be influencers. We know this to be true about the heart of Jesus, what he's called us to. And so this morning I'm going to look at a few things. I'm going to look at the problem, the plan, and the promise. The problem, the plan, and the promise this morning out of this passage. But we see first the heart of Jesus. And Jesus' heart is to take the gospel into a lost and dying world. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 17 Verse 9, 11 and verse 15. He says, I'm praying for them. That's us, the church. He's praying for us. And he says, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying those whom you have given me. They are yours. We, his bride, the believers. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. And then in 15, he says this, I am not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world. How would God, through Jesus, want us, the believer, to stay in the world once he's departed? He says this through the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, we are chosen, the, the, the church is a chosen or royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people after his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellence of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so you see Jesus and you see uh, the apostle Peter talking about being in the world, but not of the world, that God would have his people to be in the world. And so we have a purpose. Uh, He has not come and taken us home yet. So God still has a purpose for us. Whatever occupation you may have, that's not your primary purpose. That, that's God's tool to use you in your prote- particular domain to fill out God's purpose for your life. The, the purpose of your life is found here in verse 13, 14, 15, and 16 of Matthew. We would call this the mission of God. Your purpose is God's mission. And Jesus told us what his mission was in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. So we have a purpose and we have a mission. And our purpose and our mission is to continue to fulfill that purpose and mission that Christ had. Was to seek and save that which is lost. And he tells us how we are to do that here in this passage. Let me read the passage this morning. And then come to those three points this morning. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your Father's good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The three things that we see in this passage. The first thing that we see is the problem. Now, we we see it as the problem if you look and ask the text, some questions. So you have to come to the text. And you have to have a, an inquisitive mind. Like, why would Jesus tell us to be the salt and light of the world? Because there's a problem with the world. And so what's the problem with the world? If Christ is saying, hey, to fulfill my purpose and my mission, that's to seek and save that which is lost. He, oh, I'm going to get to it in a moment. He first says there's a problem with the world. So what's the problem with the world? Two things that we see because he uses these two, um, two nouns, these two things that he calls us to, to be salt and light. And so the two things that we see, there's many more, but just in this passage is this. The two things that we see in this passage that are wrong with the world are this. It is corrupt and it's dark. The corruption is why he tells, tells us to be salt. I'll get to that in a moment. And then he says to be light because we're in a dark, dark place Jesus really did see the world for how the world was remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them how come because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd Paul understood the world that he lived in when he said this to young Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. He says, while evil people or imposters go on from being bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You see, all throughout the New Testament, the New Testament writers understood the world they lived in. It was corrupt and it was dark. Do we believe this morning? Do we really believe? that we live in a dark and corrupted world. Do we believe that? Because if we believe that, then we're going to take this passage and we're going to take it very serious. My great fear for us, the American church, is we say we believe it, but our actions don't really confess what we say we believe. I would say we're so much and so often like those Pharisees we would say we're not really that bad. They're that bad, but we're not that bad. Throughout history, we've seen how Satan has used that idea to continue to corrupt the world, to make it more dark, and to make it more corrupt. This is a great tragedy. Satan's tool to keep them from really seeing who we really are. The world around us doesn't think they're that bad. But God is calling us, the church, to take this message and to tell them just how bad they are. Here's what one writer says. Man's knowledge is increasing, but as our knowledge, as it increases, it leads to more and more creative ways to sin. Knowledge won't keep us from sin. Knowledge will keep us from answering our depravity. Worldly knowledge never leads to sanctification. The ongoing process of becoming more and more like Jesus. But this is what God's word says about who we are. Psalm chapter 51 verse 5. He says this, the psalmist, Behold, I was brought forth what in iniquity. Or sin. And in sin my mother conceived me. Isaiah the prophet said this in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 5. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? This is the reason he now answers the question. Those are two questions in verse 5. And then at the end of verse 5 he says this. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. That is the reason we're going to continue to sin. This is what Jeremiah the prophet says. The heart heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. It goes on to say, and who can understand the heart? And God says, I understand the heart. Paul says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. No, none is righteous. No, not one. A few verses later, he says this in verse 23. For all have sinned. All means all. And fallen short of the glory of God. Later on in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, he says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so sin and death separate all men because we have sinned. The great Bible teacher John MacArthur says this, Just as every person is affected by the sin problem, every person contributes to the sin problem. So do we, this morning, believe what Jesus says, that the world is both corrupt and dark? Because if we believe that, then we're going to take what he calls us to do. He's going to take uh, and we're going to make his plan our plan. Now he goes and says, this is the plan I have to this dark and corrupted world. He says, I want you to be the salt of the earth and I want you to be the light of the world. That's God's plan. That's God's plan for sin. He wants to use his church to proclaim to a lost and dying world about their darkness and about their corruptness through us, the church, being what? The salt and light of the world. That's his solution to our sin problem, to the world's sin problem. It is to bring redemption to this dark and lost world. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. So that through the church, that's us, the believer, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What Paul is saying, he wants the church, the believer, to make God's glory known in this lost world. So why would he say salt? And why would he say light? If you're a Bible student, you know what salt does. Salt was very, very common in Jesus' day. Salt was used to preserve things. Since they didn't have refrigeration, they would pack it with salt. Therefore, they could preserve meats for a long, long, long time. It would be completely covered, and it wouldn't go bad. That's one thing that salt did. The next thing that salt did was what? It would add flavor to food. That's one of the first things you go for when you, when you eat bland food. What do you go? You go to the salt first, and then you kind of mild it out with the pepper. What Jesus is saying here is I want you to, I want you to bring preservation to this corrupt world. I want you to bring flavor to this uh, corrupt world. And then he says this. It's a third thing. What what does salt do? do? You eat too much salt, what happens? You get thirsty. So what Paul, Jesus is saying is, I want you to preserve the world. I want you to bring flavor to the world. And I also want you to bring this place that they want more of what you have. Are they thirsting? Is the world thirsting because of your saltiness to ask for more? Doesn't Jesus say this about... Himself in John chapter four. He says to the woman at the well, I'm I am the well that never drows, runs dry. I am what living water. I will satisfy your thirst. But can we, the believer, bring that kind of thirst to a losting dying world that the only place they can turn to is living water. Not only that, that we're called to be salt, he calls us to be light what does light do light reveals things that are hidden when you are in a dark place you take a candle or you take a light or a flashlight to see the things that cannot be seen i remember one time being in a small village in the middle of nowhere in the rainforest of the dominican republic And I remember looking out on the countryside that evening, and it was pitch black. There was no electricity, no uh, uh, government electricity. But I remember seeing throughout those uh, countrysides that evening, just one light, two light, three light. It was just one candle. But in the midst of the darkness, the blackness of what was happening, you could make out, just like Jesus says, you cannot hide a a city on top of a hill nor can you hide a small uh, home of a village on the side of a mountain and so what Jesus is saying to us is would we be the light of the world to go and reveal the sin that is in them to them this is what Paul says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 for God who said Let light shine in the darkness has shown in your hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We that light to this dark, dark world. Two questions. Are you God's salt and light? Are you God's salt and light to prevent corruption and are you God's light to help show and reveal his truth to lost people. Now why does he say we are to be the salt and we are to be the light? Here's the purpose or the promise of that. It's found in the very last verse here in verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. How come? So that they may see your good works. So Jesus says, let your light shine. Let your salty lives be known to others. Let your good works be seen by lost people. So I'd ask first, is your good works being seen by lost people? And then he says, this is the reason we want our good works to be seen. Because we want those that see our good works to what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, we live in a dark and corrupted world. God's called us through Christ Jesus to be the salt and light of the world. How come? So that the world would give glory to God through their salvation. God wants to use the church to continue his mission to seek and save that which is lost. Will we, church, be the salt and light of the world? Let me pray for us.